there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I hope that the content of each episode brings you hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways. The Special Needs Parenting Village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. Please connect with me through my website, Facebook page, or Instagram account, and let's keep this conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, please leave a rating and review or share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in to Season 2 of Living the Sky Life. Welcome back to Living the Sky Life. My guest today is Michelle O'Reilly. Michelle is a native of Toronto, Canada, is also a graduate of Oakwood University and Clark Atlanta University. She enjoys living and basking in the Orlando, Florida sunshine with her teenage daughter, Maya. In addition to her past 24 years as an elementary teacher, Michelle has found herself increasingly involved in all things autism and special needs due to her precious 18-year-old son, Justin. She loves speaking to others who are also on their journey to acceptance and those who are interested. I stumbled upon Michelle, and I talk about that at the beginning of the episode um, when I actually introduce her. Uh, I found Michelle in Autism Parenting Magazine in the latest issue, uh, issue number 124, I think. Um, She talks a lot about her journey to acceptance and how she's been writing all of you know the last year or so, um, sharing her journey to the decision of putting—I shouldn't say putting—that's not a right way to put put it—but placing Justin um, in a group home after a lot of troublesome behaviors, and she just kind of was at her wit's end. I know it's a really challenging decision that parents have to face when their children are just behaving beyond the ability for us to care for them. Um, so I, I would encourage you to take a listen to Michelle's episode. I really appreciate her being so honest and forthcoming with her information and for writing this article. I related to so many things that she said in the article and also in our discussion. So please enjoy my informative conversation with Michelle O'Reilly. So welcome back to Living the Sky Life. My guest today is Michelle O'Reilly. So welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thank you. Yeah, I um I stumbled upon you from um, my Autism Parenting magazine that I read religiously every month. And last month, your article about your son um, and his move into a group home really touched me and I had to talk to you. So I'm just so grateful that you accepted the invite to be on the podcast. Um, so before we get into Justin and his um, current living situation now, I kind of want to take you back. He's 18. So it's been a lot of years ago, but um, can you talk a little bit about your entry into the autism world and his diagnosis and just kind of how it all came to be for you? Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to, um, to be here with you. Uh, it, it's, it is a journey. I'm sure as your listeners know, it, it's not a jump. It's, it's a long journey. So Justin was born in Atlanta. And um, he, you know, missed the milestones of walking and talking and, you know, he did walk about 18 months, but especially talking, it's like every birthday, is he going to talk? And people are like, you know, boys take longer, it's okay, whatever, but it's just not coming. And um, he ended up getting a diagnosis about three or four, I can't even remember exactly which one, 
But I realized even from going to the daycare that, you know, they were like, something is different. And then I'm like, you know, hoping it will go away. Basically, you just kind of hope things will level out. Yes, he's a boy, whatever. But it didn't. And um, eventually, I, I started looking for resources in the area. And I was still young and very used to the I'm not used to this whole world. So somebody mentioned to me that if you go to Washington, DC area, um, they have so much resources, they have funding, you know, they just have a lot more than in the South in general. That's what they said. And I kind of got that from a few sources. That was the capital. They have a lot going on. So I did sell the house. We sold the house. We, oh. I have two kids. I had, a, you know, Justin was only, I don't know, maybe five, maybe seven. And my daughter, Maya, was five. We moved to the Maryland area, D.C., and yes, they do have a lot of resources. It was like, wow, like they do have a lot, like money is, you know, flowing a lot better. And I was able to find something. However, so we stayed there for about four years, but over that time, um, as much as I found the schools to be great and I really enjoyed the bustle and the hustle of living in DC, there's so much art, there's so much culture, it's fun. Our family is mostly in the South. So it, after a while, it, it, it's, you just miss being in that Southern hospitality kind of comfort zone of you're missing all the family dinners, you're missing all the Thanksgivings. We can't just get in the car and, and drive like we used to, you know, just to our family having that support, you know. So after four years, I really debated and debated about moving back. And it was really, you know, Justin was getting bigger and it was just really a hard decision, but I decided to make the jump again, and we moved to Orlando, Florida, because my sister lives here, and I just felt, you know, being back in the South would be just easier for me to feel comfortable. DC is really, really busy. It's, it's a yeah. lot. So anyway, um, we came down here, and by this time, he was probably in middle school or so, Everything was okay. He was back in school, the schools. I could see a difference from in DC as far as resources and stuff, but it was workable. It was workable. The problem came when puberty set in. <laughs> yeah. That just flipped the switch. I mean, he went from being manageable and we're, we're okay, whatever, to getting stronger quickly and taller quickly and just eating up the whole house and not being patient. I'm trying to cook for him. He's taking food out the pot while it's still half cooked. I'm trying to stand in front of the oven so he doesn't go in it. He's like pushing me out the way because he wants what's in the oven. No regard that it's on 400 degrees, nothing. Trying to take stuff out. Just like I couldn't keep up with shopping at Costco. It feels like you got to own it the whole place because it's, he's just constantly eating. And so we have to change the locks, put a lock on the pantry, put a lock on the fridge, put a lock on the front door that's double-sided, like a key on both sides, yeah. all those kind of things, because I just, just couldn't manage him. It was just too much. And then, you know, his room was a disaster because not that he has a lot of furniture or anything because he doesn't really play with toys as such. Right, but, us too, yep. Right, it's just a bed, but he would ride the bed and so he broke it and then the mattress, you know, you give up with that because it's just going to break again if you buy another bed. So the right. mattress was on the floor, mm -hmm. but then he peed every night or so mess up every night. So the mattress got nasty. 
and it was just becoming hell. So yeah. you wake up in the morning and the first thing is like, you're trying to race to beat him to using the bathroom, but yep. of course he's already done it. Story of our so life. You, yeah. So you just <laughs> smell it and it's like, yep. oh my gosh, I missed it. And so we even came up with a tactic, like, I don't want you to go and help yourself in the bathroom, even though the bathroom is next door to you, because I'm telling him to get up and use the bathroom, but of course he's not, or, you know, he'll try, but then he can't manage himself. So when he tries to go help himself in the bathroom, it's more of a disaster to clean Sure. because yeah. he's pulling things down when it's not careful and stuff is getting everywhere. And his, he doesn't even have the con not to touch. Or it's just, it's not chocolate pudding. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's everywhere. So we came up with a tactic to buy him onesies, like, you know, yep. adult onesies. And, and he would backwards. wear them backwards, right? Yeah. So the zipper, he couldn't really manage I've the zipper. I've done that for years. <laughs> yes, just to contain it. Oh my yeah. goodness, it was just terrible. But still you're cleaning up a disaster. Mm -hmm. And I'm an elementary teacher. I teach fourth grade. So I'm really dealing with the whole job before I get to school at 7.30. I barely get to school at 7.30 and I have to cry it out in the parking lot and then go in and act like everything is peachy because I'm a fourth grade teacher and kids can't see you cry. I mean, right. you have to do the show. Like it's all about them and you just have to put on the show. Everything is great and go on with your day. You cannot go into a teaching job crying. It's just not going to work. Yeah. Or any job for that matter. Right, you have to pull right. it together and you have to pull it together. Um, let me go back a little bit. So mm -hmm. um, when did, is he still minimally verbal now or is yes. he? So yes. his communication is, is what does he use or is he able yes, to he says he's always said, um, no, he's, he'll say a strong, no, no. Okay. And he'll say, yeah, like a uh, sort of a yes. Yeah. Something like that. Um, recently he hasn't even really been saying that that much, but he can do those two. That's pretty much all. Does he use an AAC device or, um, over the years, you know, over the years, it's been a struggle with that. Like I said, right. when we went to Maryland, they were, because they, they're well-equipped, they were a lot more strict on him using, he had a Dynavox, you know, those big, uh -huh. thick, those big, thick, um, heavy devices they used to have. He had that Dynavox and they were pretty strict on him using it. And then when we moved down to Florida, not so much, you know, because they just weren't as equipped. But he has an iPad. It's just he is very communicative. So he can portray what he can get the message across by pointing, gestures, whatever. So yeah. it's like really forcing him to use a device is very difficult yeah. because he knows he he can communicate what he wants, even though he's not talking. Right. Yeah. I mean, Skylar's broken the iPad twice now. Mm -hmm. I tried Proloquo with him and yes. I think I wanted it more than he did. Yes. And I know he understands it, but I think he gets frustrated because his motor skills, his motor planning isn't very strong. So mm -hmm. when he would go to touch something, he would slide, his finger would slide in with the wrong thing. And then he's not getting what he wants. And then he was just, yes. I think, frustrated. So he would throw them and the shatterproof screens are not shatterproof exactly. cases Auto or whatever. Box is not foolproof, yeah. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he destroys those. Now, yes. so is he, is Justin toilet trained? Or um, now he is, now that okay. he's in the group home. I mean, that really changed things after things got to a crazy climax with all the behaviors and the, you know, 
dangerous driving of him doing stuff while I was driving and right. the abuse, all of that. Once he got in the group home and I was going to pack the pull-ups to go over there, they said, no, 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 don't pack any of that, that really? we don't do that. So all of a sudden he's toilet trained. How yeah, do they after do all it? these years, I'd like, I would oh give gosh, anything girl, for that. After all these years, it just yeah. stopped like on a dime. They said, don't pack any of it. So they are equipped because they are a home and they have staff 24 seven. So there are people up all night. It's not parents trying to be up day and night to take children to the bathroom every two hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Their staff, just like a hospital would have nurses that will check on you all night. It's the same kind of thing. There's staff that will get him up. So that's not a thing. And within little to no time they called me and said no he's not waiting the bed at night I'm like what after all these years that (laughs) is it's both exciting and frustrating so at least it gives me hope that I mean I I always wrestle with whether my son Skylar knows that feeling in his belly that that means he has to go to the bathroom or if he doesn't understand that that doesn't mean he's hungry or he has a belly ache I don't know that he understands that, that he needs to go to the bathroom to come and get me to take him there. That's why I feel like potty training for us has not been successful because he isn't able to communicate to us when he has to go. And then it's too late. And we've tried yep, so many yep. times yep, every 15 minutes and all that yep. and all that stuff. But he, I swear he would sit on the toilet for like 15 minutes, do his thing. And like, we'd have to keep him there. Then he wouldn't go. I'd pump him full of orange juice and he would stand up. And the minute I'm pulled up his underpants, he'd pee. And oh I'm like, goodness. he like oh held God. it. And I'm just oh. like, I don't know if he's afraid of the toilet. If he's oh, afraid so of the feeling. Yeah. I don't so know. Frustrating. Right. So, I mean, if there's hope and he doesn't necessarily communicate, there is hope. but they still taught him. Then- there is hope. But I think um, what also ha- helped for us is um, it not being us you know, being somebody else, because even the abuse that I was getting and the hitting and the carrying on, I finally realized and people explained to me, you're mommy. So you are the comfort place. You know, you are, you are home, you are comfort. So it's going to come to you. But when he went out there to the group home, it's almost, I felt like, are they going to think I was lying? Because they're telling me that Justin is an angel. He's a model kid. He doesn't this, he doesn't that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not a liar. (laughs) Well, so in your article too, since we're talking about the group home, you mentioned that um, the aggression got really bad. And one thing completely resonated with me is that he would pull your hair when you were driving, which Skylar does to me. And Mm -hmm. it's awful because you have to be very careful that you just willing to lose the hair. So you don't run the car off the road or hit someone or something. Mm -hmm. Um, so did it ramp up a little bit over time, like starting at puberty, um, that he was pushing you and hitting you and, you know, pulling your yeah. hair and that kind of thing, or did it just all happen like at age 17 or, or whatever? It just happened gradually. Um, okay. you know, I remember it was the summer of 2019 when I went to the agency for persons with disabilities and I was like, I'm in a situation, I really need help. My son is getting stronger and faster and taller and all of this, and I can't manage. And it was really no help. But you know, that fall, as I went back to school, I just, I had to keep on them and keep calling, like, this is not getting better, it's getting worse. And I can't leave home because when I take him out to get groceries, he is, 
he, I'm like, Justin, please just stay with me. I'm holding his hand. I'm holding him as tight as I can. And you yep. never know the minute that he's going to just snap and just run past the cashiers out to the parking lot looking for my car. Hit people in the store. Yeah. Like even if, no, he didn't. That. He didn't hit. No. But I mean, even any car that looks sort of like mine, he would try to get oh. in it. Don't let the person's car be open. He'll be in somebody's car, you oh, know? No. Because the car resembles mine, even if it's not the exact model. It's basically the same color or whatever. So he would run right out in the parking lot of Target, Costco, Publix, whatever. And it was so dangerous. So I can't go grocery shopping. I can't leave him home because I could get arrested because he's not supervised. It's just impossible. And, you know, I didn't go into it a lot in the article, but there was a big separation between my husband's views about things and mine because I could see that. Yeah. His mother is really the one who kept drilling in my house, in my ear that Justin needs to be in a home. Justin needs to be in a home. And of course I was hesitant to that. This is my child. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Whatever, whatever. But, and I thought it for a while, but as things went on, I realized that this had to be an option because my daughter was also getting hit. I was getting hit daily. I have black and bruise under, under my clothes and it has to be an option. My husband was like, absolutely not. No, this is not an option. And he was never getting hit. Justin wouldn't listen to him. If he says Justin jump, he just would jump. Like he he would obey him. He would never hit him. But I got all of it. So yep. we were on opposite sides of this whole thing. And the night when the day when I finally got to the point that I listened to people, like professionals who were telling me, um, call nine one one. I know this is your child, but you're gonna have to continue. You're gonna have to call nine one one. You cannot oh, continue man. like this. Yeah, I mean, I was so against it, but you realize in the middle, like, this cannot be, you're, you're pulling yeah. my hair out my scalp, like you're messing up the whole, you know, you're pushing the table across the room, this is not okay, you could have broke the window, you know, so once I did have that Baker Act done, he was so mad at me, like, how could you, this is Your our husband. child, yeah, how could you, how could you do this, da, 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 and I basically said, both of you are out of here, both of you, I am. Yes. Oh, I was not playing. Both of you are out of here. I am done. And this is after 21 years of marriage. 21 oh, years. So sorry. I mean, it is what it is. So they both left to Atlanta where we have a lot of family. But, you know, as a mother, this is still my baby. I cannot do it. So, yeah. and then the agency was finally starting to listen to me once the Baker Act, that was the key. They started to listen to me. It wasn't just crying wolf or whatever. They started to mm -hmm. listen. I, I think that was one of the documentations they kind of needed after the fact. You know, I mean, they didn't say it, but now yeah. that it happened, I realized that was one of the things. So anyway, um, they had somebody come to the house from the agency and do an intake or whatever. And so I had to get Justin back here. So he brought Justin back and um, they did that. And things just continued to escalate with, with Justin. I didn't let Kevin stay here, but Justin was here. The, the agency gave me respite. They were like, even if you want 24 hours a day, you can have whatever you want. We're finally listening basically. But you, you end up having a lot. I didn't care for it personally because you end up having a lot of strangers in and out your house. Yeah. And I'm not home because I have to give them a key because that's when I need you to watch him is because I'm not finished school. And he is, he gets out earlier than me. So I need them to take him off the bus and hold him at my house until I get there. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So yeah. you just have random strangers in your house, full access to everything. I don't care for that. Yeah. 
and it's yeah. uncomfortable. They're on my living room sofa watching TV and <laughs> just like, who are Thank you so at home. Yeah. Yes. What up? Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, why are you reclining in my chair? <laughs> Can we, so I'm um, in an, I know you mentioned it in the article, so hopefully it's not too, too traumatizing mm-hmm. and, and, you know, hurtful for you to talk about, but I think a lot of parents might have questions just about the scenario of the police being called. And if you can kind of go into detail a little bit about what happened when the police came and if they, you know, I think you mentioned in the article that they wanted to just go ahead and take him. And you're like, well, no, I don't want that. I don't want him to be arrested or like what, any of that. And then also the Baker Act, if you could just kind of explain that for people who aren't familiar or don't have kids that are older yet, and they're just yeah. not knowledgeable about next steps, if this is a situation for them. Yeah. I mean, it's just a journey. It's like you hear all these words yeah. that you never heard about, but then they become normal vocabulary. I know. So um, the police, uh, I remember it was a person at the autism center at the University of Florida that I was connected with that kind of told me you're going to have to um, dial 911. You're going to, and you know what, when you dial 911, it's not going to, you don't, you ask for crisis officers. Mm-hmm. So you don't just get regular police with their guns out, ready to shoot whoever. So right. that helped. Um, but the agency was telling me, they had told me, you need to call 911 every day. And I'm like, um, I'm a teacher. Calling 911 means you have an emergency. How can you have an emergency? Like my house is burning down every day. That's not sustainable. Like, yeah. That's crazy. But that's basically what they're saying. Oh, well, you better fill up this documentation. So you have to go to the police. Like if, if he was pulling my hair while I was driving or hitting me while I was driving and I'm losing control of the car, I would find a police station and go right into the police station to say, I need help right now. This is what's happening at my car. I need you to write a report right now. This is what's happening on the road. If you all don't care, you're going to have an accident to clean up or something because this is what's happening on the road right now. So anyway, um, they started coming to the house. I remember sometimes Justin would not come out the shower. He loves to shower as, as hot as the water. Like he likes it hot, hot, hot. I'm like, it's way too hot. Your skin is red, but he doesn't care. He loves it super hot. And he was staying there and he would not come out. I'm like, your time is up. You've been in there for like half an hour. No, he's fighting me, fighting me, fighting me. He's not coming out. So there were times I had to call the police and they would come, put on some gloves and take him out the shower. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm. So that's the only way he would come out because I needed a man to take him out the shower. And if I'm the only one here, he's just laughing, like whatever. Yeah, just, yeah. I'll stay in here all day. I love the water. Is he so, not afraid of the police? Like, I mean, what is his yeah. reaction when he sees them? Does he do what they say and doesn't really? Yeah, yeah. They're men. They're men. So <laughs> they're they're okay. They they have authority. It's mommy that ha 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 ha. Mm-hmm. So all of that, you know, it kind of went on different situations that he would do that I had to get comfortable with knowing the police's names of my neighborhood the community police, you get to know Uh them. Okay, Officer Mike, Officer Bailey, Officer whoever. I don't want to, I don't want these people to be my friends, but they are the the regular police that you see around patrolling. So it got to that point. And then ironically enough, I work at a school. So we have um, resource officers Uh at the school. So some of those same police were at my school. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's probably embarrassing at first, right? Yes, it is. But whatever, it is what it is. So anyhow, um, the Baker Act one, it was just, I remember clearly I had given him a bowl of cereal and I went to take a shower. The bowl of cereal was right there. Justin, enjoy that. I'm taking a shower real quick. Before I even got 
undressed in the in the bathroom. I could hear him back in the pantry. I guess I didn't lock it that day. And he, it was a big old Costco thing. Like, you know, Costco has like two mm-hmm. bags or full. It was full. And he's like getting more. The cereal is still there. And he's trying to pour more on top of it, spilling everywhere. So I'm like, Justin, no. And he just took the bag and just tore it. The whole thing went flying, like so much Cheerios everywhere. And he's hitting me and pulling my hair. I said, that's it. That is it. So I um, called the 911, asked for the crisis people. They came. I said, you know, I'm just wearing a robe because I had to quickly, you know, put something together because I was about to get in the shower. And they came again and they were basically those officers I got to know. They were like, you know, we cannot keep coming here. We, We can't do this. And I'm like, I need help. And they're like, well, yeah, we've helped you quite a few times, but we cannot keep doing this. We're going to have to take him. I'm like, take him where? Like, um, no, we have to Baker Act him. We have to arrest him. I'm like, no, no, I just need help. I just need the situation under control. And they're like, no, we, we you know, it was kind of a back and forth because I'm like, you're not, this child cannot even say his name. You're not taking him anywhere out of my sight to where, what, that's not a possibility. But one of them um, really kind of took me aside. Like you could tell he, it wasn't just a job to him. He took me aside away from the other officers and he took me outside my house on the lawn. And he said, listen, you can um, continue this and it's just gonna keep going and the situation will never be resolved or you can let us take him. But you know, I think you realize that this is, you're gonna have to let this happen. Mm-hmm. and play out and I was crying hysterical oh gosh I can imagine he, mm-hmm. he really took me like I could tell looking in his eye that it wasn't just another day or another person it was like listen Michelle he's trying I, to I'm help you. to you yeah, yeah like let me do my job let me do this because it can't keep going on like this every day mm-hmm. so I I had to just pray and put my trust in him you're going to take care of him where is he going where on earth is he going and for how long? So basically a Baker Act is 72 hours that they take them to a facility to calm the situation down mm-hmm. and then they'll call you after that. So I'm like, where's this facility? Like, I mean, this yeah. can't say A, B, like he can't do anything on his own. So the guy, the officer, he gave me numbers, like he sat me down besides the report, he sat me down and gave me more contacts to other people to talk to other, you know, whatever police contacts that they have to help, you know, help me network to get the ball rolling a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it, he just kind of put my mind at ease that it's going to be okay. But it was still super traumatic seeing them actually put sure. handcuffs on a child who cannot. They handcuffed him? They oh. have to. I know I was dying. They put him in the back of the police car with the bars on it. Oh my God. I mean, you could have just tore my, oops. That makes my heart hurt. Oh my goodness. I mean, you could just basically have taken a knife and sliced my heart out my body. Like that's what it was doing. Um, Luckily my sister doesn't live too far away. So, and my mom happened to be in town. She wasn't at my house at the moment when that incident happened, but they came over real quick and they were there with me in the driveway. I was dying, whatever. And um, they drove away with my child, like uh, two police cars, a motorcycle, the whole gang of them. And I'm like, where, you know, they told me the address of where he's going to be and whatever. And it was just awful. It was, was that, the worst day. Was that um, that 
Baker Act pretty much that the, January what spearheaded 3. him getting into the group yes. home right away? Well, no, that was, like I said, a piece of the puzzle that the agency seemed to need to actually take me seriously. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, that wasn't what got him in the home, but that, that helped them to stop. This lady just keeps calling us and emailing us, whatever, and mm -hmm. whatever with her. That finally was like, they, they opened their eyes and, and paid yeah. attention a little bit. So they drove off with Justin. I was in pieces, of course. It was absolutely the worst day. It was January 3, 2020, just before the pandemic a little bit, right after New Year. And um, I called my husband. He was at work. He, I didn't get any answer. So I called his mom and told her. And somehow they got to him. And he came home that evening. Oh, my gosh. I've never he seen him like that. Oh, my Furious, God. He yeah. was so mad. So mad. I don't know where he went, whatever. But his sister, I shouldn't even tell her this, but she was basically like, Michelle, I want you to run a bubble bath. And I know you really don't drink, but I want you to get some virgin margarita, whatever you want, oh. and soak and just chill out. He'll be okay. And it, it, I finally had come down from all the abuse for so long, yeah. all the constant care, the constant anxiety. Kevin was, I don't know where, because he's super mad at me. And Justin was not there. And I just finally came down off of all of this high, whatever, you know, and For I had a bubble years. bath. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. After all these years, yes, <laughs> like 17 years of constant, 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 because Justin is always there, you know? Yeah. And if he's not there, he's at school and I'm at school too. So there's no downtime because when I'm yeah. at school, I have 20 families I'm taking care of. So I anyhow. hate making this comparison, but I say to people a lot of times that, um, when Skylar is very aggressive, which he, he has gotten very aggressive in the last couple months, we really had a, a tough go, but it feels like I'm living in a domestic violence situation. Yes. Like my, yes. you know, he's not my, my partner, but he might as well be because he's, you know, he's constantly yes. taken out on me. He does hit my husband, but he takes more out on me. He constantly mm -hmm. hits me. And I don't know if you ever found yourself just kind of after those situations where your hair was pulled while you're driving and just the sheer look on their face that they just are very angry. I, I say to Skylar sometimes, like, I think you hate me. Do you even like me? Like, and it, mm -hmm. that breaks my heart more than losing some hair is I just, the look in his eyes, I just like, do you realize what I do for you every day and mm -hmm. what I tolerate because I yeah. love you and I, want life to be better for you. And I put up with so much stuff, but I don't even think you like me or appreciate me at all, you know, right. and I hate that, but it's more, people just keep I, telling you, they don't do it on purpose. They don't mean to. And I'm like, ah, eh, some of I it, know. I think he does. <laughs> he comes well, after me on purpose. I know. I understand. It's just, he's frustrated about the situation and he can't express it like right. you can and everybody else can. And you are the closest person with to him. So you're going to get it. You're going to get all of it. And it is hell as it's happening. And it takes for you to be out of the situation to look at it from a different perspective. But when mm -hmm. you're in it, when it's happening, oh, please, you're just as mad and just as frustrated and you can't even see straight. Yeah. Yeah. So basically well the next day, um, 
72 hours was not true. <laughs> so I thought I had 72 hours of peace. It was not. By the next afternoon, which was like less than 24 hours later, they were calling that everything was fine. <laughs> Justin's ready to be picked up. And I'm like, yeah, come get him. I'm we're done. Enjoying- <laughs> enjoying life what the hell like he's fine because they had been calling and what does he eat and this you know they had called about everything like oh you guys really are on it like they kept calling you know just to you know make sure that they were doing the right thing and there were doctors there so I felt like comfortable after the initial shock that oh he's in a place now and they got it under control I can breathe this is great next thing I know they're calling to come pick him up I'm like ah They're not ready. No, that's terrible. (laughs) So he's been in the home now for, in the group home for a year. Has it been a a year? year? And um, he he went April 11th in the pandemic. So it's been a year and a couple months. Yeah. And I mean, are you, how often do you get to visit? What's, what is the setup like for that? Well, um, you know, I, I believe in God, so I, I can't help but say that. So I really feel God had a hand in this because I really, sure. really prayed about it. And there's several miracles that happened. So one of them, um, when things got very bad and the agency finally listened to me, there was an incident that really was out of control when he beat me down in church one day. Oh, in no. the sermon, <laughs> in the sermon, he was singing the praise team songs, the clapping and dancing, whatever. But all of a sudden, in the middle of the sermon, he went berserk on me, and all the people in the audience I was were like, "Please, are like, people to help you?" Yeah, yeah. Well, they were looking in shock, like, "That's your mother. What are you doing?" And he's beating me down in the sermon. Oh my goodness, because it's quiet now. This is the sermon, and it took like three deacons to take him out and hold him down on a chair. And the respite person was there because I remember I was getting respite at this time. And she was like, we can't go home with him. Like, he's going to kill you on the way home. Like, he is in a serious rage. Like, these three men are barely holding him together. So I had to get police to come to the church and take him home. So anyway, I was really beaten up. And after that, that's when I went back down to the agency. I was like, this is it. This is happening today, today, right now. I can't even work. I can't even function. And that's when the ball got rolling. Anyway, that was not your question. So no, that's um, okay. In the meeting, when I went down and, and went off on, him, on them, that it's happening today, he's going to get approved today. I don't care what you all say. Um, they warned me that since I'm claiming this is such a crisis, it's such out of control. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Because they were all crying by the time I got through with them. All these people that were always too busy for me and in conference call and never answering email and all this, all these high executives, because I know all of them by name by now. (laughs) I know every district manager, whoever, they all know who Michelle O'Reilly is by this point. So all of them came to this meeting and they were all sitting around this huge conference table when I went and told them all of this. Um, They said to me, okay, 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 okay. He's going to be approved right now. This list that he's been on for years and years that will never have an end, all of a sudden he's at the very top of the list. As that. That's what it takes. So all the years of waiting is suddenly erased. So anyhow, they said, well, for a placement, since you want it right now, it's gonna have to be wherever there's an opening. So you're in Florida, it may be in Tampa, It may be in Miami, it may be in Jacksonville, it may be Sarasota, it may be wherever. You're gonna have to take whatever opening there is because you're the one saying that this has to happen now. 
So that was very hard to accept because not everywhere is close to me right. in Orlando. <laughs> so I just had to pray on that one and swallow that pill. But it turned out Justin's house is 0.5 of a mile from my house. It's meant to be. 0.5 of a mile, girl. Mm-hmm. It is, I can walk there right now. Justin's house is almost like the next, it's one traffic light away. It's not even across Aww. Orlando. I don't have to get on any highway. It's across <laughs> town. It is literally next door. So that's one of the miracles that happened that I was shocked about. Then also when I went up there, this is the end of February, 2020, that office, everything shut down less than two weeks later from when I had that meeting with all those executives. Yeah, you'd have had to wait so much longer. Like I would have been stuck in the pandemic in lockdown and I don't know what- Lockdown with him. Yeah, Yeah. that wouldn't have gone well. So God, like those two miracles, I mean, it's just in the nick of time that he got approved. And nobody knew that the whole world would shut down, but it shut down like a week later. Crazy. And then the home he's at is just wonderful. Like I have zero complaints. I've loved these people from the start. I see, I didn't get to see just, okay. He went April 11th um, because we were in the middle of lockdown. Well, it yeah. kind of got, got postponed a little bit because things were just crazy. Like every, the whole coronavirus thing just exploded. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. it got delayed a little bit, but he ended up leaving April 11th when everything was in lockdown. Normally it's supposed to be 30 days for them to get accustomed to the house before you can see them. And, you know, so that it's not too confusing, but this whole COVID thing just was just, you know, everything was going crazy. So it just kept extending for me to be able to see him. So I didn't see him all summer and it didn't end up till September 18th. I believe it was when I saw him by that time. It had been a long time, you know, all these people were dying, whatever. And the news ended up getting a hold of the story. And so, you know, there were all these things on the news where people put up their hand to the glass and see their loved one through that. Yeah. So they did this whole story that I could probably send you or whatever. Um, It was on the news um, ABC affiliate. And they did a whole reunion thing of us seeing him um, come together at the house because that was the first time I had seen him in like almost six months. And was he a different, different kid? I mean, he was just so excited to see me. He was just as happy. We were just giggling. That's the picture that's in the article with us on the swings. Yeah. That's like one of the pictures that were taken. That's one of my favorite ones, but I hadn't seen him for almost six months and um, it was just so wonderful. So once I got to see him, I, I basically see him every weekend because I'm, I'm usually in school working, you know, with right. my kids and stuff. So I usually go over Saturday afternoons. Um, now that I'm out of school, I go whenever I want. Like I can go today after this call if I so choose. I mean, they're very good and I see them all uh-huh. the time. There was a time where they did go back into lockdown in January, you know, when things kind of flared up or whatever. Uh-huh. There was like maybe a month or so that they did go back in lockdown, which just happened to be his birthday month but they had a birthday party right at the window, at the front window, because I couldn't go in. They put the cake right by the front window Aww. on a table and he sat right there. And I was on the other side on the porch looking in and the window was open. So it was like a screen between us. And I participated in the birthday that way. It's like a birthday inside and outside. 
So, so do you think just from your observations of seeing him and, you know, whatever, clearly he's happy to see you, but oh, yeah. is he different? I mean, it, do you think he's really happy there? Like they can't ask us for these kind of things because they don't know, but right. you, I think he's probably very happy that you made this choice for him. Right. Because- I mean, I think over time now, you know, it's been a while now, the behaviors have gone way down. He has toilet <laughs> training under control. He's not shoving food in his mouth and making a huge mess like he was. He's eating with a fork nicely. Things have really calmed down a lot. So I've allowed him to come home a lot recently. You know, I'm, I haven't done overnight because I know overnight takes this two hours waking up and all of that. And yeah, I think it's best for him to stay in his routine with that. Exactly. Uh huh. But um, he comes over all the time. Well, that's nice. I didn't I know they could do that. Know, yeah. He knows that this, you know, I still say, where's Justin's house? Point to Justin's house. And we come and we come over here. So, um, you know, I, I, I try to keep him still involved over here. I yeah. can't keep him full time because we're no longer together as far as my husband and me. Uh-huh. He's not here at all. And I, you know, I have to, I can't take the full-time responsibility of care, that bathing constantly and the, yeah. the toiletry, you know, I've kind of regained my independence, to be honest, as far as I can go take a vacation, I can go out yeah. and not have to worry who's going to watch Justin, I can, I can live. So yeah. he can have his house and he's 18. And he has all the things he needs there. And then I pick him up and I take him out and we go to the restaurant. We go wherever. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, although it's probably really hard, it's still hard for me to wrap my mind around putting Skylar in a group home that it's better. I know it's better for him. And I think that's, that's why your story was so impactful. And I wanted you to share it because you, you made the best decision for you ultimately and him. Cause you both now have some independence mm-hmm. and your entire life is not wrapped around and it, his schedule and his needs and all of that. I mean, it's not like you didn't put in 18 years of your time. It's not like right. he's six and you're like, I can't do this. And then, you know, I mean, some parents might be at that situation at, 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 with a six and seven year old, but, um, you know, I, I would, I would hope that you are okay with your decision, seeing how he's thriving. You're now thriving. I'm sure mm-hmm. Maya's thriving and I want to talk about her a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it just, I can't imagine how hard that really was for it you, was. but I think it was divine intervention for everybody. Everyone has yeah. a much better quality of life right now. Yes. And so what has helped me to heal is I didn't even think I would ever would do this, but I've gotten into writing. Even as a teacher, of course, I've always taught writing because I'm a teacher, but mm-hmm. I've gotten into writing. So the article was the first thing that happened, but I was also writing a journal when all of the episodes happened with Justin at the time. And those, and then once the news came and I started um, writing, doing a, a weekly kind of update about him, about the reunion on Facebook and Instagram, And then people started really just, oh my goodness, they're all into it. It's called Journey to Acceptance. And people, like all my family and friends and people just started following this about, you know, from the reunion up with the TV thing, that's where it started. So I just kept writing about the updates of things happening in the home, like, you know, what they did for Christmas and what they did for Halloween and what they did for this and that. So I wrote about those blogs and then coupled with the journals I had written when the episodes were really happening, because I didn't write any of that on Facebook, of course. 
um, all of that became a book because people in, in the comments of the, the blogs about what's happening in the home, people were like, uh, where's your manuscript? Like, yes. where, where's, where's all of this? Yeah. Where's the book of this? <laughs> so <laughs> all of that became a book. So the book is actually at the publisher right now. It actually has chapters right? and yeah, it's actually coming together. It's not finished being professionally edited right now, yeah. but it has 13 chapters with the stuff I'm talking to you about, like the actual Yay. details of everything. And then recently, just in the past couple months now, I wrote a children's book. So you did. Like is that published? It's coming. It's coming. Okay. I'm working with my illustrator, who's actually one of my little students at school. It's like she's Aww. very, very talented. Like she's unbelievable in her drawings as a little fourth grader. She's just great. So one day I was like, I think I have a little job for you. So her parents are so happy I'm using her. So I wrote a children's book because I've been teaching all these years. I've been teaching 25 years and it always comes up about my son and, you know, the children are always interested in my son, Justin and whatever. And so I have to explain what autism is, explain what a group home is, explain right. all these things. So I put it as for, from a child's eyes, understanding autism. And even when they go into restaurants, because I've taken Justin to restaurants and things can be fine in the next minute. He's hungry. Like he's not playing. So he yep. throws a fit and kids that can be scary for kids <clears throat> yeah. to see that acting out. So for them to understand beforehand, you know, what is happening and why it's happening, I think is a little bit helpful. That's so, so that's great. Well, I, <laughs> I'm definitely going to link up your um, Instagram and Facebook profile so people can follow you and we can follow the journey of, um, the stories and the book, both books coming out. That's incredible. I was going to say too, that I'm, I'm shocked you haven't written a book yet because there aren't really, you know, when I wrote the memoir about Skylar, it was more for people who, who have younger children or older children to relate to. But I get asked all the time, you know, gosh, what to, what to expect in puberty, what to mm -hmm. expect in all these later years, because they're not there yet. Yeah. Their situation might be completely different than mine, but at least it gives a perspective from the more severe side of autism because right. it doesn't seem like that's represented as much. Um, yeah. So especially, you know, the situations with group homes and aggression and all of that, it'd be so great to have a yeah. story like yours out there for parents who feel like they're the only ones with a child yeah. that's aggressive or because severe it's to relate so different to. from your own experience. Like everything I've gone through, Justin, it's not what I did growing up. I went to school, went to college, got married, yep. had kids. This yep. thing is like a total, like what is guardian advocacy? What is guardianship? Yes. What does SSI look like? Like, cause they're going to get it at 18. Yep. What is um, all these special needs trust? Like there's so much vocabulary that you wouldn't know going in. And it takes somebody who's, you know, give you a little roadmap. What are these things, you yeah. know? So I work a lot with the Autism Society of Orlando here. And, you know, you see these young parents that their eyes are like wide open. Like, what is that? What is that? Some of them are crying. Like I've made friends with some of them and kind of helping them because it's just so overwhelming. What are all these things? What on earth? What is guardian? What, what do I have to do? What do you say I have to do? Yeah. And I remember being in those shoes, all these words, all these names. And it's like, huh, huh? Give me yeah. a roadmap. I don't know what the heck this is about. It's a so, lot of it we have to figure out on our own. So I'm yeah. hoping that by doing all of this stuff and podcasting about it, whatever, that someone mm -hmm. can say, okay, I remember when you did a show about, you know, guardianships and mm -hmm. SSI, 
remind me again what I have to do and all the mm -hmm. loopholes and all that stuff because you know I didn't have anyone to ask and luckily I came in to contact through all of these mediums with um moms who have 20 and 25 year olds and they're like okay this is the first thing you need to do and I'm like thank right. god for you guys because I wouldn't have known either so exactly. um well I want to touch base on um your daughter Maya she is 15 or 16 she'll be 16 next month okay she it's funny because your kids are the same ages as mine um and they're both an older son and a younger daughter that's two years so um wow. I, I just wanted to ask you if you could talk a little bit about Maya's experience with her brother um it's I've been very candid and my daughter was actually on an episode with me about how hard it is to have her only sibling be somebody that's severe like her brother who's been aggressive all of her life has pulled her hair has hit her and really kind of traumatized her as a kid. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they don't have anything in common. So she's navigating the teenage years on her own and figuring things out on her own without an older brother to provide guidance and all the things that you would hope an older sibling could do. So yeah. does Maya, is she open with you about just how she's felt all these years or not yet? Oh, not yet, not yet. I think she's still working through a lot of things and it's exactly like how you just said, it's very traumatizing all these years of him destroying her projects that she's worked for weeks on, her school, beautiful art, artistic things that she's created. And then next, you know, Justin absolutely destroys it when it's due in the car. You know, very, very frustrating. Um, you know, you would have hoped that they would have been close being two years apart on purpose so that they would have each other. Turns out he's not, able to function as an older brother to give advice or guidance at all. And she's had to be the older one. Um, mm -hmm. As she's gotten older now, almost 16, I have noticed, unfortunately, a lot of the characteristics of autism in her. Because autism in girls is another whole area to explore. That's another mm -hmm. topic that you'll get at a lot of sessions and conferences that I go to, autism in girls because they're able to mask a lot better. So she's verbal, she goes to a regular school, you know, she's gone through the years, okay, it's not like Justin that needs all this special needs programs and whatever, she's gone through typical school. But I, as she's getting older now, I'm seeing a lot of, and I'm learning more about autism in girls and she's able to mask a lot of it. So she goes out in the world and she can function, but I get a lot of the, behaviors at home like it's just it's different than Justin but and she's also been through a lot I understand mm -hmm. but uh, luckily she has the violin that has been a, a good thing for her when she's we moved very to Maryland talented. very you. talented when we yeah. moved to Maryland that is something she the school she was at like I said there's so much arts and so much culture there the school mm -hmm. had a conservatory and you know at, at a young age she was able to pick that up and bring it here to Florida so she does weddings, she does parties, she does private events all the time, and she gets paid very well for it. And she's just 15. So I'm glad she has that. And autistic people, they usually have a focus. So that's violin is her thing that she can, you know, she'll go up on stage and you would never think there's anything there, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it has been quite a journey, quite a, quite a hard journey for her. And that's the hard part of parenting is you, you feel like you're, all of your attention is spent on the child who needs every single second of your day to do everything. And you work so hard to not 
let your other children feel like they're being disadvantaged in some way and not getting all of your attention and you're never enough. <laughs> you're just never enough. Right. But it's almost like, is she just acting like that? So I'll pay attention to every mm -hmm. little thing. Cause I did it with Justin, you know, so just act like I can't do, and then yeah. mommy will pay attention. Yeah. You know? Does she I visit him um, at the group home or did, how does that work? Okay. Sometimes, sometimes she'll come, but recently <laughs> I've been taking Justin home. I haven't like now that the pandemic is not as bad, I used to have to visit over there only, but now that I've been taking him here, I'll sometimes take both of them out to Something Olive Garden together. or, yeah. you know, he comes home. So it's, because he know, calmed, he more, calmed down not though really around her. Like now that he's been in the group home and he can manage his behavior yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. He's not, I don't yeah. think he's as scary. No, that's good. No, you just never want good. them to be resentful or be afraid of their sibling for their lifetime. That, you know, worries me. Right. So they were, gosh, well, I mean, mm -hmm. Your story is an incredible one and you are quite a strong woman. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've been told that a lot, but um, it's a lot to, to go through mm -hmm. this lifetime with mm -hmm. all the responsibilities and added, you know, parenting experiences a lot of people don't have. Um, you know, for parents listening who can relate to having nonverbal children um, with aggression, even at a young age, starting to be aggressive um, and they feel like they're out of options, is there anything else you would advise them? I mean, I know you were religious about, you know, contacting that facility and knew all of the people and, you know, we have to be kind of demanding in our, <laughs> in what we want, but is there yes. anything you could yes. share with people who maybe are wrestling with the decision of a group home or an assisted living facility or what to do? Oh goodness. It's really hard. Um, well, we know that I would, I can only mm -hmm. guide from where I come from and I, I'm religious. And to me, prayer is what got me through really following, listening to God's voice, lead me and praying about situations because I had no clue. Like you don't know where to turn. And there are times when you're upset with God, like, yep. why did you give me this child? This is way more than I can bear. Like I, I'll be honest. I did not believe that verse. I, I, I teach at a Christian school and I was like, I believe the whole Bible. I'm fine with that. I've gone to church all my life, but there is one verse I do not agree with that God will give you more than you can bear. I don't agree with that because yep. this is definitely more than I can bear. And it, it's not till you get past this huge thing and where I am now that, no, I guess I did bear it. <laughs> you know, it's okay. But I would say leaning on God, leaning on your family, you'll find that God will put people in your life that will really help you. And it may be not who you expected, but right when you need it, somebody will come out of nowhere, I promise. That will be like an angel to you and will lead you just when you need that support. The person at the Autism Center at, at the University of Central Florida, some random person will come into your life that you- I know. You even contacted me. Because we're in this situation internet. right I mean, now. You know, yeah. people will come into your life and they will be a support to you and you'll find peace and help and what you need from those people. There will be people that will support you. So between God, people that he gives you to sustain, you do have to be an advocate. You don't have a yep. choice. You're a lawyer for life. You, you have to be an advocate and you cannot play always nice and docile with these government agencies because they're not going to just hand things to you. 
they have to see that mm -hmm. they have to do what they have to do. This past weekend, I went to a big convention that was here in Orlando at the convention center. It was a, a special needs convention. And I saw that same in the exhibit hall, I'm walking through there and I see one of the exhibits, APD, the agency, the same agency, APD Cares. She and I laughing. just stared at it. <laughs> yes, and I, I, I just looked so puzzled and the lady came up to me. She said, are you okay? Do you need help? I said, that's a lie. That's a lie. I don't agree with that sign, APD Cares. You all do not care. I went through hell with you guys. And I, I gave wish it to her. she hadn't walked up to and you. She was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she was, yeah, she was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I went, I gave it to her. I said, and I was at the side of the road one day and I begged you guys for help. And you guys just kept on putting me off, putting me off. I remember being on the side of the road because I couldn't even drive having this conversation because I had to focus. And you guys were not helpful. I said, what's your name? And she said, anyway, she yeah. said her name, right? And I said, what? You were the one I was speaking to on the She's side of the running. road. The same <laughs> person was her. She was, so I said, do you remember the name Michelle O'Reilly? Her eyes open like deer in headlights. She said, yes, I remember Michelle. I said, that's me. It was me you were speaking to on the side of the road that day and you did not help yeah. me. And I begged you and told you what was going on. And she was so apologetic. I said, well, guess what? Yes, finally you all helped me when I marched up there a few months after that and demanded, finally you all did. And he's in a wonderful place because you guys don't get yeah. to see the end of the story, you know, once you send off replacement, but he's, he's great. And he's next door to me basically. And she's like, really, really? And I said, you know what, guess what? There's the articles in my car that was just published a couple of weeks ago. She's like, really? I went and copied at the FedEx in the hotel yeah. and gave it to her. And we hugged and we cried. The yeah. same lady. I think. And she's like, come and help, come work for well, us. Not, I think it, there's so much lost in that, that people that are on the other end of the phone, I mean, they're just doing their job and I get that. And so I always try to be as calm mm -hmm. and cool as I can, but I'm very demanding about what it is that I need and what I need them to do, but they don't see me or my son. So they don't have a personal connection with us. So it's like, you know, they're just like, well, there's a wait list or there's this. And they just give the standard answer. Yes. And if you call back, I swear and get somebody different, you'll get a different answer. So it's nice for them to, to hear and to meet a mother that they interacted with and hear the bad and then hear the, mm -hmm. the end result and whatever. So, you know, maybe she, it was a bad day for her, but it turned out okay. But kudos to you for being honest because they need the feedback. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny <laughs> that it was her. <laughs> Well, so, I, I agree yeah, with everything okay. that you've it's said. I think okay. there's a, a chapter in my book um, about my spiritual journey because I, I went through the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. It was anger, frustration, and then I found my way back. And I truly believe in divine intervention. And one of the reasons I wrote the book and started the podcast a few years ago and all of that is to connect moms like us with everyone else because we should never feel like we're by ourselves again you know, we've lived on an island for so many years and there are millions of autism parents out there, sadly, because the disorder is just, you know, growing like wildfire. Mm -hmm. So I just hope that someone who hears your story 
is not shy and reaches out directly to you and asks more questions that you can answer, you know, about your situation and can give some hope to some families. So I appreciate your time so very much. You too. You too. So wonderful. Well, thank you. And um, give my Maya my best and Justin my best. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It's so nice being with you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.